Pastor Ed Taylor has this to say about the victorious Christian life. You see, God has victory for you, but victory doesn't come without a fight. Victory isn't experienced without a fight. And it seems like there's battle after battle after battle after battle. Can I get an amen on that? Is that true? You just go from faith to faith, but we also go from what? Fight to fight. Now, I'm not talking about the fight between us, you know, and difficulties with people, but rather the spiritual fight of faith. You see, living in the will of God does not come without a fight. As it's once been said, living on earth is a battleground, not a playground. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hey, do you have a situation or issue in your life that seems out of your control, insurmountable, and you're wondering how you can possibly experience victory? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor shows us that victory comes by faith. We'll be in Joshua chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 11, sharing a story you're probably familiar with, the walls of Jericho falling down. That victory also came by faith. Here's Pastor Ed to tell us all about it. Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 11 and Joshua chapter 6. A Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Victory Came. And we could easily title this, By Faith, Victory Comes, because God promises victory to the believer. Victory is yours and mine to enjoy by faith. Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, where we left off. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. You know, the life of faith is a progressive one. We live from faith to faith. We go from episode of faith to faith. God is building character in our lives. It isn't the type of life, this life of faith, where you come to a place and you say, oh, well, I remember the good old days. Like you come to a place where you no longer take steps of faith, but rather you look backwards, the good old days, remember when, and then you begin to describe a time in your life that is so much better than today. No, the good old days are today, what God is doing in our life right now. Listen, God wants me to remind us. He wants us to be reminded. He wants me to remind you that he is still at work in your life. No matter what you're facing right now, what's going on, God is at work. He's fashioning and shaping and molding you into the image of Christ. It's true. God has done great things in the past for sure. But we live today knowing that the best is yet to come. That God is still moving us. And our best days are ahead, not behind us. And we learn that God takes us from faith to faith, just like the children of Israel. We've been studying the life of Moses and we see how faith, miraculous faith, surrounded him while he was still even in the womb. And then every stage of his life, even if there were a few failures or, or so, 
God was there encouraging, strengthening, and drawing out faith. Till finally, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. And miraculously, they come through the Red Sea. And unfortunately, they spend the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Well, that wandering is over now when we come to verse 30. And a new generation is entering in. And if you turn over to Joshua, we know in Joshua chapter 3, there's the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. And it's true. There is the miraculous work of God over and over again. They come through the Red Sea, and then God preserves them and gives them manna, and they have clothes every day. God provides for them the cloud by day, the fire by night. They come to the Jordan River. They cross it at flood stage miraculously. Then they put the memorial stones in chapter 4 so that they would always remember the faithfulness of God. Then they come to chapter 5, and in chapter 5, verse 2, God tells Joshua to have all the men circumcised. And to that you say, whoa. But God was teaching them something, that before, before they enter in, they need to learn obedience. They need to catch up on what was neglected. Maybe that's you today. God is calling you back to obedience, and perhaps it's painful, but you need to catch up on what you've been neglecting. You need to catch up in that place of what maybe was even neglected in your life. And you need to meet Jericho, as they'll see in a moment, chapter 6. You need to meet Jericho in a position of obedience. You need to be ready for the work of God in your life. And maybe it requires something hard, something difficult, as it was with circumcision. And so they come in, in chapter 6, and notice in verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. Now, the children of Israel entering into the land of Canaan, Canaan is a picture of the Christian's life. I know in some of the songs and hymnology of the past, Canaan somehow represented heaven in those songs. Biblically, the promised land does not refer to heaven. The promised land, Canaan refers to the Christian's life, a life filled with battles and warfare and challenges. You see, God has victory for you, but victory doesn't come without a fight. Victory isn't experienced without a fight. And it seems like there's battle after battle after battle after battle. Can I get an amen on that? Is that true? You just go from faith to faith, but we also go from what? Fight to fight. Now, I'm not talking about the fight between us, you know, and difficulties with people, but rather the spiritual fight of faith. You see, living in the will of God does not come without a fight. As it's once been said, living on earth is a battleground, not a playground. And I'm sure you've heard it said before that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I love that. I'm so encouraged to know that God is for me, not against me. That he has removed all the guilt and shame and forgiven me of my sins. That he loves me, has a plan and purpose for my life and yours. It's true. We can celebrate that. But we also have to understand that as God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives, the devil hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. That he is out to get you in a real way. That the threefold enemy that you and I face, the world, the system, the culture, our flesh, our old sinful habit patterns, and the devil are real. And he loves to orchestrate the world system to provoke and tempt your flesh, and then he just leaves it up to us. No, you're in a battle, church. Satan hates you. 
He wants to distract you from what's important. He wants to disrupt your faith. Ultimately, he's come, as the Bible says, to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you as a believer to be weak and feeble and ineffective. He wants you living in unbelief. He wants you worried and anxious about things you have of which no control over. He wants you fighting the wrong battles on the wrong side of the— uh, He wants you fighting the wrong battles with the wrong army using the wrong weapons. He ultimately wants to take you out. He doesn't want you relying upon Jesus. He doesn't want you in fellowship with other believers. He doesn't want you reading the Bible. He doesn't want you reaching others with the gospel. He wants your marriages ruined. He wants your kids shattered. And he'll take you as miserable and as depressed as he can get you. Anything and everything but growing strong spiritually. You're engaged in a spiritual war, church. When you were born again, whether they told you or not, I'm telling you now. When you were born again, you chose sides. And the choosing, you said that I am following Jesus, that I am denying myself, taking up my cross, and my loyalties are to Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. You chose sides. You jumped into the battle. And because you chose sides, there is opposition continually, constantly. As much as the Lord is leading us from faith to faith, the enemy's tempting us with fight after fight. You chose sides. You declared war. You enlisted as a soldier. Even as Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight. Laying a hold of eternal life, he said. But you got to make sure you're fighting the right fight. I find so many times believers are involved in fights they have no business involved with. You need to be on the right side of what God is doing, aligned with Him, abiding in Him, trusting Him, His sufficiency, His power, His strength. The spiritual battle that we're in is a good fight. It's worth every ounce of energy you can muster up. Why? Because salvation is at stake. The souls of men and women, because despite the attacks, People are still getting saved. Marriage are still being rescued. People are still getting sober. Lives are changing, and it's worth it. And now we find in a very practical way a reminder that victory comes by faith. That's how victory comes. It doesn't come by your strategies and the, your strategic attempts to fight a battle. Victory always comes by faith. Never any other way. And notice with me again in verse 1, it says, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. Now, we know why they were shut up, because Rahab had, had shared with us earlier, we'll get back to it because it's kind of out of order, but we'll get to Rahab next time. But Rahab had shared with the spies that the people of Jericho heard all about God. They, they knew all about his power, all about his strength, and their concern. So they shut the city down. And as that, verse 2, the Lord, Jehovah, says to Joshua, and Joshua is the leader that is taken over from Moses, God says to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now pause there. If you'd like to write in your Bibles, circle the phrase, I have given Jericho. And right next to it, this is a promise of God. 
lot of times people look at the Bible and go, I don't understand you, but you say the Bible's filled with promises. Where are they? This is one of them. God told Joshua, I, look, I want you to see this. Of everything that you see, Joshua, the high walls, the intimidation, the fear, the concerns, everything that you see, Joshua, with your eyes physically, I want you to see this spiritually. I have given that city to you. It is yours. It is a done deal. I will be the one that gives you Jericho. It's not your responsibility. It's not on your shoulders, Joshua. This is a promise of God. I know as of late, you know, in the last few years, there was this big popular movement called Promise Keepers. I think it's actually come back. And I I think it's great and encouraging to encourage us to see the promises of God and keep them. But you know, the Bible doesn't place the emphasis on us to be promise keepers. Do you know the emphasis in the Bible is God the promise giver and God the promise keeper? So that when he gives a promise, he keeps it 100% that we can trust in him. Like, you put the emphasis on us, you know, sometimes I'm a promise keeper, sometimes I'm a promise breaker. It's, I can't deliver 100%, but I can assure you this. When God gives a promise, he keeps it 100% of the time. I love it. It's so good for us and good for our heart. So here he is telling Joshua, look, I know Jericho's scary. I know you're anxious. But listen, see this with your eyes of faith. I've given you Jericho. Now, verse 3, here's how. Here's how it's all going to go down. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. Then it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. And so Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant. And then he begins to give the instructions. It's time for the children of Israel to take what belongs to them. The land has been promised to them all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But the land will not be taken without a fight. And this is the strategic plan of God. He tells Joshua, I want you to go, and I want you to take the city. I've already given it to you. And here's what he says. Number one, I want you to get the armed men and walk around the city for six days. Okay, we can do that. It's kind of interesting, but we can do that. Okay, what are we going to do next? Number two, get the priests involved and make sure they blow the horns. Make sure the priests are blowing the horns with the Ark of the Covenant. Got people in front and behind. Okay, Lord, and what's next? Well, on the seventh day, walk a little longer and tell everybody to yell. Okay, let me get this straight. Walk around the wall? Yes. Blow some trumpets? Yes. Take the Ark of the Covenant? Yes. Blow up the walls? No. Get out our weapons? No. Matter of fact, I want you to tell the people to be quiet, as we'll see in a moment. Don't say a word. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around a little bit more. You're going to blow a long blast. Then you're going to tell the people to yell, and the walls will come tumbling down. Now, if this has never happened to you, it will. You have an issue on your heart. You are faced with a Jericho. Allow allow Jericho today to be an insurmountable, impossible situation in your life. Let it be a city filled with enemies. 
Let it be a city, let it be a situation that needs to be conquered. Let it be a situation that only God can give you the victory in. Certainly we all face those. So what do we do? We come and we ask God to help us. And our hearts cry with tears and anguish, God, we need your help. I don't know what's going to happen. Jericho's before us. We have, no, we, we have nowhere to turn. We turn to you, Lord. And when he answers, it's, his answer is so out there, so different, so not anything. I mean, the phrase that we would probably use today is that God gives you an answer that's so outside of the box that you're like, no way, that can't march around the city. Like, this is war, man. Give me some strategy of war. Let me talk to a general. Let me pick up a book of a guy that won a war or two so that we can have victory and we can help you, God, with the victory. And God says, no, I don't need your help. I've given you the city. And this is what I want from you. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. And sometimes that trust is drawn out with an answer that is so beyond your thinking that now you're being asked not only to trust him in the victory, but listen, to trust him in the process. To trust him with each step. You have to think that as they were walking around the wall, that each step they took was a step of faith. Faith, one step, faith, another step, faith. They were not only exercising faith in God, but they were also learning to exercise faith in Joshua because this wouldn't be the first battle. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Would you turn over to Isaiah chapter 55 with me? We mentioned this verse a lot, but I want you to see it in your Bibles or on your iPad or your phone. You guys online or on the radio, you've got to see this. I want you to mark it, circle it, put a star next to it in your Bible, or if you need to mark it on your Bible app, you need to do this because we use this verse a lot, but I want to show you the address. I want you to know where it is in your Bible because this is true. In Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 8, Isaiah 55 verse 8, this is especially important when you want to take things into your own hands. This is especially important when the direction or the counsel or the scripture or the insight is so out of the box that it doesn't even seem to make sense. When, when you think, no, this is the time to speak up. And God says, no, this is not the time to speak up. And you go, wait a minute. I've spoken up every other time, God. And God says, no, my ways, notice, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. He says, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Look, you're not going to learn how to wage war by buying a book from an army general. You're not going to learn how to wage spiritual war by buying a book. You go, and then you go into war and go, why did you get defeated? And you go, well, because I listened to that guy that uh, I bought that book. And, and God's saying, I don't want you to listen to guys that are writing books. I want you to listen to me. I want you to learn and train yourself to hear my voice. Because my ways are not your ways. I know you think you have it figured out. I know you've measured things. I know you've got the calculator out and you've run all the numbers. But God says, my ways are not your ways. You need to look to me. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And listen, church, like Joshua, we need to be trained to hear the voice of the Lord, to understand his ways, even if and especially when they're so different than what we thought. We do not need to train our ears to hear the voice of our pastor. God's ways are bigger than your pastor. 
We don't need to train our ways and train our ears to hear the voice of some video, some radio guy, somebody out there. Those are not the voices you need to hear. You need to hear the voice of God. And once you know the voice of God, you'll know if a pastor sounds like God. You'll know if that YouTube video actually sounds like God. And you go, well, wait a minute, Ed. What are the ways and the thoughts of God? Well, the good news is, is he wrote them down for us. We know the ways and the thoughts of God from his word. God is not training us to follow a man. He's training us to trust him with the men and women he's put in our lives. We follow Jesus. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one that died for your sins. And you and I make a grave error when we follow man and we look to man. That's not the will of God. We need to be trained to hear the voice of the Lord. As we learn in Revelation, Jesus said it seven times. He said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saying to the church. God is speaking. We have to grasp this. Otherwise, we'll live our lives in our own understanding and our own wisdom, and we'll call it God. I see this happen all the time. I see this, like, behaviors happening. You go, where'd you get that from? Well, you know, God told me. But it's, no, God already told you not to do that in, your, in his word. Like, you're going directly against the ways of God. So, and so believers, they love to make up, followers of Christ love to make up actions and then say God told them. Then they blame God for the failure. God, God is not the reason for failure. It could be you didn't hear the Lord and you were looking to someone other than God for your direction. You got to learn to fight the real battle that's before you, the good fight of faith, to be in the right battle, fighting with the right army, using the right weapons. There's no other way. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Hear this program again anytime you'd like at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Pastor Ed is back with us now, and Ed, the main point in today's lesson is victory come by faith. But is the victory always experienced right away or overnight? What would you say to the person that's been waiting for victory in a certain situation and it hasn't happened yet? Well, Larry, there's a couple of different people I think I'd like to address as you ask this question. The first group is the one that is always identifying themselves as struggling. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling. I want to remind you that you don't need to struggle. You can choose to walk in victory right now. Like, for example, you're strung out on drugs. Well, as soon as you sober up, you can walk in victory and resist the temptation. Uh, maybe you're an angry person. You just punched a hole in the wall uh, or got mad at work, and now you're out in your car listening to the radio so that Bible study and get back in your right frame of mind. Look, you don't have to live defeated. You are not a defeated person. I know it feels like that because it's like, man, Ed, I just always deal with this, and I'm always struggling. Well, n- stop identifying as the struggler and identify as the victor. Jesus Christ died so that you and I could have victory over sin and death to walk moment by moment, drawing upon his resources. You can do it. To the second person that comes to mind, I would say this. Uh, Battling sin, you know, again, you might describe yourself as struggling, but not like perpetually, just like, man, I'm really wrestling with this. Struggle is a sign of life. And as you're struggling, as you're walking, maybe like Romans chapter 7, right? Who will deliver me from this body of death? 
well, maybe uh, the Lord is is going to give you all that you've ever looked for as you fight the good fight. So yeah, victory doesn't always come immediately. You know, we we fight from victory and in victory, not just to victory. You know, they go, well, Ed, why am I getting it today? Well, think about think about a boxer that's going to go in the the ring for twelve rounds, and he is told ahead of time. This is absolutely cheating and illegal, but let's just say he's told ahead of time he's going to win if he fights a good fight. He's just going to win. He can't just stand there because a dude will knock him out. He's got to fight. He's got to fight, but he's fighting all along with victory. He's fighting with this great motivation. Uh, He can't stand there. He can't run away. He can't go out of the, he's got to be in the ring, in the fight, going for it. And you too get in the ring, get in the fight and go for it because God is faithful. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. If your desire is to have a deeper experience with God, you'll want to read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This devotional is really an invitation to think deeply about your faith as you come alive to God's presence, surrounding, sustaining, and pursuing you. And we'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. See you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.